Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 is our text, and the message is entitled Christian Submission. Um, you know, an eagle knows when the um, storm that's approaching, and that it's approaching long before it breaks. The eagle will fly high to a high spot in the, before the winds come, and when the storm hits, it sets its wings so that the wind will pick it up and lift it above the storm. And while the storm is raging below, the eagle does not escape the storm. It just simply submits to the use of that storm to lift it higher. It rises on the winds that bring the storm into its world. And so it is. And it will be when the storms of life hit you and myself. Um, we'll all experience them. We can rise above them by setting our minds in belief towards God. And the storms do not have to overcome us. As we see so many times, they do to the people that are not obedient and submitting to God. The storms um, will allow God to lift us above them, and God enables us to ride those winds of the storm and to bring uh, whatever the case may be, maybe sickness, maybe pain, tragedy, uh, failure, disappointments in our lives throughout marriage, and then make something good come from it as we look to him. And so we can soar above the storms in our marriages by being filled with the Spirit of God, as we saw last week, submitting to the authority of God's word as husbands and wives. Um, this is what Paul is describing about the Christian that is spirit-filled in chapter 5, verse 18 to 21. Uh, and he speaks to himself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in his heart to the Lord. Doesn't describe the condition. It means this is that whether it's good, bad, whatever is going on. Giving thanks and always in all things to God, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's our text. Submitting one another in the fear of God. It's a constant co-participation of man with God. Always. Now, notice here from verse here to verse 21, like verse 18. It is transitional as a verse, going from the general responsibility of every believer to submit to the specific in marriage in the entire household, verse 22 down to chapter 6, verse 9. This is first the general command for every believer. It will be applied in every way to the family, every way. So... This was radical in Paul's days. People sometimes will read it, and people get taught, and they say, well, this and that. But this was radical. You didn't teach this in the Hebrew um, uh, uh, form of life out there. You, you didn't teach this in the Greek culture. You didn't have this in the Roman world. This is all so foreign. And so now it's so foreign to us, even now, 40 years later, since the first time I taught it, it's more radical because we become more pagan in our nation, even within the church. We've lost our way within the church. And so we want to focus on the responsibility of every believer regarding submission before we um, deal with marriage and the family. There's a very negative concept that permeates our nation, as you know, due to the 
um, believing in individualism, feminism, and the diversity uh, of, of individuals revealing really man's rebellion against God. The uh, humanistic philosophy of love yourself has permeated the American society and certainly the church. Um, the unbelievers are living by this self-esteem, victim mentalities, while believers are living under this pop Christian psychological theology based on subjective interpretations of scripture to feel good about themselves under the pretext of you must love yourselves before you can love others. That is the most craziest statement in the world. It's describing the sinful nature. You do love yourself. Paul's going to use the husband, love your wife as you love your own body. He's taking the sinful practice, he says, now flip it over. Do it towards your wife, you'll be okay. That's the natural, to love yourself. Look at me. No, we don't want to look at you. The popularity of Dr. Dobson through the 70s to the 90s called himself a Christian psychologist, made popular this quasi-watered-down theology, convincing people that um, there is such a thing as Christian psychology, when in fact, Paul warns about such a philosophy in Colossians. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you, uh, literally plunder you, or to take you captive through philosophy, philosophia, which is the love of wisdom and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ, Colossians 2.8. Anytime you try to mix oil and water, it's two different elements. They don't mix. You can put them in the same container, but they'll separate all on their own within time. There's no psychology that is Christian. Listen to me carefully. All are sourced and based on the teaching of secular humanism. Sigmund Freud, Alfred Adler, Eric Fromm, Abraham Maslow, Carl Rogers, and I can go on and on and on. All secular atheists not believing in God. That's where the Christian quote psychologists get it. They counsel the same way that the world does. Try to gather information about you so they can tell you what to do is right. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says if you're a Christian, you're to forgive. If you're a Christian, you're to obey. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to die to self. Doesn't ask you for information. Wow. Well, I, that's right. You have to die to self and trust the power of God. You have to live out your Christianity instead of just say you're a Christian. Foreign? Wow. Absolutely radical. And so this is nothing less than a life of carnality, integrating light and darkness, living as a Corinthian for the trinity of darkness, me, myself, and I. It's ever-present, ladies and gentlemen. And so... Our text here in submitting one another in the fear of God, um, three things we want to point out regarding the submission. First, submission is the distinguishing mark of the believer. The distinguishing mark. Secondly, submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. Thirdly, submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit through the believer. We begin with submission. It's the, taste, it's the distinguishing mark to the believer. Now, as you know, the believer's example regarding principle of submission is epitomized by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's no one greater. Uh, the Son of Man came not to um, 
be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, he told his disciples in Matthew 20, verse 28. Now, the Apostle Paul details the process of submission of the Lord as he took on the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. He emptied himself of his glory, never his deity. Each of us should be humble when we think about Christ's submission for our benefit, not for his own. Each of us must recognize our pride will keep us from submitting to each other. This is always uh, the case because the benefit is to others. Submission is to benefit someone else. We don't like that all the time. The believer is commanded, as you know throughout Scripture, to submit. It's not an isolated little propositional command. Um, in Romans 13:1, Paul says, Let every soul be subject to the government authorities as they ordain, they're ordained of God, and those who resist them will bring judgment on themselves. Pretty radical for Paul's day. Being a Jew, are you kidding? They want to kill him. Think of the day. He's addressing. Rome is persecuting Israel. Israel's under the power of Rome. Now he's telling this to the Christians. The limitation of submission to the state is when the state would oppose or command to violate the teaching of Scripture or preaching of the gospel, Acts 4.19 and Acts 5.29. Until then, we pay taxes to Caesar. We go along with the program. Simple. If they start demanding something, like every woman has to abort her third child, we say no. People want to abort their children, that's up to them. We pray for them, we tell them it's wrong, but they don't command us to do it. If they did, then we would say no. Is that clear? Now the Corinthians were to submit to the household of Stephanus, the Bible says, as those who were laboring in Christ in 1 Corinthians 16, 15 through 16. So government and those in the church. The context is biblical leadership, not abusing authority or self-serving. That's important. The shepherding and uh, oversight of the church by leaders is not by compulsion nor uh, lording over the flock of God, but willingly being examples of it, 1 Peter 5 two through three says. So the people should be able to see the submission and the love of the leadership as their care is for the people that come. And it's a willful thing. It's a willing thing. No one forces you to come. You get out of bed, you come, and no one tries to hold you here, and it's up to you. If you don't want to come back, you don't come back. Now the capacity for submission is due to the new nature, as you know. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in love Lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's only possible if you're born again. Because I is always up in front. That's our sin nature. Paul's going to tell the husbands to love their wives as their own body, as I said earlier. Taking a simple practice of the man to love himself as well as the woman loving herself. And then applying it to the other person. So he takes something that, that, that people are very knowledgeable about, 
by experience. And he says, now flip it over. In the Lord, do it to your husband and your wife. Now, the goal of submission is unity and protection of the church. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So the submission is recognizing they're there for your benefit. You're not arguing, you're not fighting against it. It's just like a parent. If your child's constantly fighting, that's not fun, is it? That's what he's talking about. There are always those who think they are not accountable to anyone, and they are an authority in themselves. They object and create trouble when biblical authority is taught or exercised in the church, especially today's uh, you know, individualism and political correctness. The submission of the believer to earthly institutions, be they kings or governors of God, um, because they are ordained by God to punish the evildoer and to praise the good. Uh, for the will of God is that in doing good, the Christian silence ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak of, for vice or wickedness, but as bondservants of God, 1 Peter 2, 13 and 17. So you can see all this submission on different areas, and every area is not an isolated case. He's talking to Christians. Now, these things were radical for that day, as they are today. Our responsibility is not always to demand our rights, but to do what is right for the glory of the Lord and his kingdom. As Paul submitted to the beating and imprisonment at Philippi, and God saved the jailer in Acts 16, 22-24. He, he could have pulled out his Roman passport. He didn't. Afterwards, they found out. They got freaked out. The responsibility of believers in the church is to be no different. Listen to 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. So our text is dealing with the individual submission of the believer to other believers and also the extension to the world that we live in. He's going to move from this verse to beginning 22 into the different areas of the people in marriage. Now notice, the believer is... Uh, and obedience to submission never means inferiority, but a recognition that it is one of the two elements that must be present for effectiveness and productivity. The other is authority. Submission and authority. Somebody gives the orders, someone obeys them. You function in that capacity throughout life in different areas. Sometimes you give them, sometimes you're you're, you're uh, commanding, you're working them out. And at home, you have as the head of the home to give certain direction to your children. You deal with your wife, your wife deals with you. And then when you go to work, you have bosses over you. Okay? But those two pillars always have to be present, authority and submission for productivity. You, don't, you, you have both of those things very compromised today, so you have very little... Um, effectiveness and very little productivity today in our society, especially in the workforce. They believe that probably people work maybe four hours out of the eight today. Authority, submission. Everybody's afraid to fire everybody because of the lawsuits and everything else. Everybody's under orders of political correctness and laws, right? And so everybody's afraid to say anything. People look around before they talk now. 
First time. Used to be in Russia. Now it's the United States. Wow. And so the idea of submission is a dirty word for the feminist movement and the politically correct movement today. Pastors are afraid to talk about it. They don't talk about it. Attempting to make the woman equal to the man at a high cost and expense of her divine role as wife and mother. Ladies, listen to me very carefully before we get into you individually. Your highest calling is to be a wife and a mother. Let me repeat it again. Your highest calling in life is to be a wife and a mother. The rest is subject to that. Subject to that. The casualties are her husband and the children and her marriage when it doesn't follow, as well as the man if he does not submit to that submission. Now, without submission and authority as compliments, nothing can function effectively and productively. Not a marriage, not a family, not a church, not a corporation, not a nation. I dare you to mention one thing that's productive and effective without submission and authority. You'll never find one, ever. Impossible. Again, the word submitting here, hupatasso, is made up of two words. Hupo, meaning under, and tasso, a military term, meaning to drop under, uh, in line, in order, under someone who has greater authority over you. And so the words joined together, I mean, line, one's, line oneself under those of authority. And, and yet, you can be more intellectual, you can be brighter than them, you can know more, but if your position in that time and that setting is to submit to that person who is authority over you, you do so. It has nothing to do with comparisons or anything. That's his position. That's the way it is. It does not imply inferiority. Many submit to one another in their jobs, and yet they're, as I said, more intelligent than the person who is uh, telling them to carry out certain orders. And what results from it? Well, you have productivity and you have effectiveness, right? That's what happens. Now, Paul says the head of Christ is God, and yet Christ is never inferior to the Father, but rather submitting to the plan of the Father for the effectiveness of the atonement. 1 Corinthians 11.3. If you say submitting means inferiority, then you have to say that Christ is inferior to the Father. Impossible. Paul is giving God's created order. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of the Christ is God. God's created order for productivity and effectiveness. Order. The same applies to the church and its members. Not all have the same function, but all are part of the whole body, complementing and bringing unity to the diversity, and that diversity magnifies unity. Diversity means different. If you're a millennialist, if you're politically correct, diversity does not mean same. It means different. My fingers, my hands, my arms, my legs, my nose, my head, my ears, they were diverse. This half of my body is diverse from this one. It's not even exact. They complement one another. The diversity magnifies unity. They don't rebel. 
but our society does through redefining these terms in humanism, self-worth. All of us are interdependent. We need one another. All of us are interrelated. We affect one another. None is inferior or superior, none is alike, nor have the same function. The entire church body is to submit to the head Christ. Just as the head sends messages to every part of your body, and that part obeys the command of the head. This hand doesn't move by itself. My head says, reach out, grab it. Thousand of a second. Faster than any computer. More effective. You strike the head. You hurt the body. You hurt the part of the body. The head is still sound. The head is the important one, ladies and gentlemen. Christ Jesus. And the delegated authority to the husband and the wife. The believer submits in the fear of God. Notice the believer's reverence, respect, and adoration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is evident by the walk of wisdom that we saw um, in verse 15 through 21, or up to 21 here in Ephesians. Um, for us to submit is absolute wisdom. Why? Because he knows what's best. He's Lord. We're the servants. He's the Savior. We're the saved. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1.7 says. This refers to the basic foundation of the believer's life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holiest understanding, Proverbs 9.10 says. This says that after the first step of laying the foundation, this first step is the fear of the Lord again, resulting in wisdom. You stay on track with the fear of the Lord. This is probably what's been lost in the church more than anything else, the fear of God. Show me a person not fearing the Lord. I will show you a person who doesn't submit to the body of Christ according to the scriptures and the purposes of God. They're lone rangers. They think they're an authority in themselves. They select what they want to submit to. They select what they want to believe. A person asked George Mueller, if you've never heard about George Mueller, get his little book, Man of Faith. Incredible man of faith in England. He had many orphanages, and he, they asked him the secret of service. George Mueller said, quote, there was a day when I died, and as he spoke, he bent lower and lower until he almost touched the ground, the floor. Die to George Mueller, his opinions, preferences, tastes, and will die to the world, its approval or censure. Die to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends, and since then... I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Dying to self, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the club. Our submission to one another and as husbands and wives under the most difficult times is modeled by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Even as he was there with his disciples in John 13, and he washed their feet knowing that every one of them would abandon him and one would betray him from within. Would you wash their feet? 
knowing all that? So you can't do it then, can you? Nor can I. So my only hope is to trust in Christ, being filled with the Spirit of God. Submission and obedience in the life of believers and in marriage are synonymous in the Scriptures, but what makes it pleasing to the Lord is the attitude of heart, not sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice and the hearken of the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, First Samuel 15, 22 says. That's like an incredible scripture. When I'm not listening to obeying God, I'm listening to the spirit of Satan. Who's the enemy of God? Radical. At times we, uh, as men, to try to make up disobedience, we do sacrificial things. And we point to our works because we're task-oriented. We're collectors. Submission in marriage does not degrade a person, but exalts them by being all that God intended them to be, believing if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time, his time, 1 Peter 5, 6. We do it knowing that he knows what he's doing and he knows what's best. If I'm doing it just to be exalted, then my heart's wrong, right? It's my submission to my Lord and Master because he loves me and he died for me and he knows what's best for me, right? And I'm supposed to be more like him. He's not supposed to be more like me. That would be unholy. Submission by a Christian or married person after the manner of the shepherding doctrine. Some of you are old enough to remember that in the church. That was popular through the 70s. It's unbiblical and abusive. This is where someone would get saved under some Christian and he would be their, their sort of spiritual pyramid and he couldn't make decisions or buy things or do anything or marry anybody apart from their approval. That's crazy. So the worldly stuff gets into the church. Always. It's abusive. Mark 10, 42 to 43. Um, you had the, the disciples uh, asking the left and the right hand, James and John, right? And Jesus says, you know, you have heard the Gentiles, they love to, mass, to have authority over others. It shall not be so among you, right? Interesting. Submission in marriage is a, cre- is, is a carryover from submission to the Lord in a single life for the authority of the same is the scriptures, 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So all of you that are single, you say, well, what's this series going to do for me? I'm single. Listen up. Do your homework. So that you can be a godly person when God brings you that godly person to marry. Okay? You don't become godly after you get married. All right? You do your homework. You let God deal with you and prepare you so you understand the scriptures. And you... Fear in entering marriage. No one can dare think they can do it without Christ. It's like playing football without a helmet. You may like the first, second, or third bang, but after a while you're going to say, you know, let's put the helmet on. So submission is a distinguishing mark of the believer. Absolutely. Now notice secondly, submission is, a, is distasteful to the unbeliever. This is evident through our society, our nation, and the world. 
This is the very evidence of our society. No one wants to submit to any form of authority unless they see personal benefit. And, and, and now in our day, it's, it's worse than that. No one wants to submit, period. Policeman pulls a person over and says, why are you pulling me over? You can't pull me over. I know my rights. I know the Constitution. Shut up. It's amazing. You may have a jerk in the president office, but you respect the office. That doesn't mean you can't criticize policy, but you respect the office. Not case today. Everyone wants to lead and be the the ruler. Everyone is working towards the top, not the bottom. Everyone submits as long as there's profit and benefit for them. The entire philosophy of, in our day is you can do it. Go for it. You have it in you. Be positive. Be focused. Good energy. Because we're evolving, yeah, into idiots. Special rights and privileges since the 1970s are based upon race, gender, and minority groups to meet the quotas of male versus females and therefore not having to submit to the same standards so everything's been lowered. The law, qualifications, firemen, policemen, everything. Don't argue with me. Look at society. You want a 200-pound fireman carrying you down five flights? or a woman is going to have to drag you down. There are some exceptions. There are exceptions. Simple. A man pulls, a policeman pulls a man over on the highway that's alone. It's still going to be dangerous as he sees only one policeman. A woman gets over and pulls him over. What does that man think? Simple. But we want to cover it up. We want to deny it. Exalting ourselves. We endanger society, ladies and gentlemen. That's all we do. The average husband in our secular society is not submitting to the responsibilities as God intended because men are living for themselves. Many of them in the church. He's not caring for his wife as Christ cares for the church. It's not even a consideration. He's living for himself. He's not caring for his children the way he should. He's caring for himself. So many adults say, well, I need time for myself. I need time out. I've told you time out when I grew up was when you woke up after they knocked you out, okay? Um, all this little language, all this little stuff. Give Johnny time out. Yeah, I'll give Johnny time out, all right? He needs discipline. He needs consequences. He needs to understand authority and submission. Lovingly, not cruelly. This is the majority of our society. The evidence is in the number of divorces, runaways, suicides. And that's inside the church. The greater tragedy is that Christian men are not submitting to the commands of the scriptures or their family to love their wives as Christ loved the church, to raise their children in the Lord, to be the example as they come to church, to run their homes biblically, principles. When their children grow up and they want to walk in and it's Thanksgiving and they're walking in with a bottle of wine or a 
case of beer, and are they going to allow them to do that? Now this is your home. You're going to let them come in? No. You stand fast. Hardest thing I have to do to my dad. You can't bring liquor in my house, dad. I used to drink with my dad. <laughs> Why do I do that? Because I'm a Christian. I'm an example to my dad. I want him saved. The Christian is in great numbers are living by worldly concepts and ideas, making it difficult to tell the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian today, sometimes because they have secularized the gospel, other times because they're ignorant regarding God's word, they don't study, and others are just they're rebellious. They choose to live carnal because they think they can. And there's no consequence today, so they can get away with it. And so people sit down, they listen to what they don't like, so they get up, pick up their toys, and go to another church and play. No big deal. I've seen it over and over again. 40 years. Do I get mad? Do I get bitter? No. Pray for you. It's your eternity, not mine. The average wife in our secular society also is falling short to submit to her husband's authority as God intended. Liberate a woman, secular. We have been liberated from all forms of traditional male and female roles now. We have been saturated with the humanistic philosophy of our day, existentialism, situational ethic, value clarifications, having blurred all the boundaries resulting in confusion and disintegration of our American society. We now are focused to speak on political correctness. And we're forced to an extent to ensure not to offend anyone, especially the alternate lifestyle LGBTQ. Hmm. You no longer are short, but you're vertically challenged. You no longer are making moral judgments about homosexuality. You're homophobic. Well, aren't they heterophobic? Hmm. You're no longer a convict. You're socially separated. You no longer come from a broken home, but a dysfunctional home. You no longer are responsible, but a victim. Worldview has changed, ladies and gentlemen, in the church. Certainly our world. The little sayings of the 60s and 70s have taken root. Um, and they've worked themselves out in the 80s and the 90s and now into the new millennium. Different strokes for different folks. Try it, you'll like it. Do your own thing. Do what you want to do. Break all the rules. Just do it. The best man for a job is a woman. Interesting. They're funny, but not now. They were back then. Many of these have been communicated through our public school education, through music, certainly, and now the politics. The turn to our society as a result, through the direct consequence of parents not modeling submission, end up rebelling and undermining the authority of the home and society. The children undermine the authority of the father and they laugh at the mother. The children are indoctrinated at school rather than educated um, 
and the children run the schools. The gangs and taggers terrorize neighborhoods and now our our politicians allow civil disorder, the destructiveness of private property at the expense of the taxpayer making our streets unsafe and dangerous. LA's near typhoid, bubonic plague. And patrons lose their business and now they get penalized if they don't clean up the excrement and the urine and the needles and everything. Amazing. Amazing. But what so many don't understand and fail to recognize is that our society is a mere reflection of our homes, where authority and submission has been allowed to be undermined, weakening the fabric of society. No amount of money can solve our chaotic social problems. No amount of programs can reverse the lawlessness of our society. No amount of good intentions will correct the problem. The society gains on every level only when there are consequences or a person gets saved. California saved a lot of money when I got saved. Immediately. Why is this so? Because the carnal mind is an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 8, 7 says. The natural man has no ability to submit to God. For the Christian to expect an unbeliever to submit to God is craziness. They're dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1. They don't have the ability. They're not born again. You remember when you were there? You're in the same place. When you have a complete breakdown of the family for a long period of time, it will eventually manifest itself in society like violence and lawlessness, delinquencies, low morals, confusion of roles, bring about promiscuity, homosexuality as the alternate lifestyles by a politically correct label is disguise, uh, disguising the perverted and destructive lifestyles condemned in scripture. All you have to do is read one section of scripture, Romans 1, 18 through 32. When they knew God, they didn't want to glorify him as God. They worshiped the creature more than the creator, which is blessed forevermore, so on and so forth, corrupting the male gender to the female and the male and so on and so forth, homosexuality, and doing what they would. And their judgment is fitting them. They deserve it. Now, let me say right up front that God doesn't hate homosexuals any more than he does fornicators. Okay? The solution to both is Repentance. Am I clear on this? Okay? You're homosexual, bisexual, trisexual, whatever sexual. You need to repent. All right? That's your solution. Straight across the board. It's the only hope. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure and lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. And from such people, listen, turn away. Are you Christian? You live in the world but not of the world. Okay? You don't party with these people. You don't spend time with these people where they start affecting you. When I got saved, I got saved. God messed my life up. For good. 
Am I perfect? Never. But I'm under construction. I make sure I'm lined up with the straight and narrow. I keep my account short. The servant was left alone one time by his master. He had all these prized roosters and all that, and they won a lot of fights and all that. And, and he said, listen, I'm going to leave and just take care of the roosters and that. And, you know, so the boss left, and he, as he's there with all the roosters and everything, he says, you know what, he figured, you know, I'll just let them all out of their cage and feed them all at one time. Right an individual. So, you know, he does that, and he starts, and they start killing each other. He's freaking out. What's going on? And his master on the way back, he sees him coming. And he comes back and he looks at all the roots. He says, what were you thinking? What were you doing? He says, well, I thought they would know they were on the same team. <laughs> what a picture of marriage. In the world, certainly. But too often in the church. Husband and wives, you're on the same team. Keep that in mind. We need to pray constantly for our country and the institution of marriage and marriages due to the spiritual blindness of the God of this world upon our society, our nation, and the world. 2 Corinthians 4.4. We've already seen what politically has done with Prop 8. We mentioned that before. Twice we said no, and they said, tough. We're ignoring the people. So we're ignoring our constitution of the people, by the people, and for the people. Very important. We need to pray for those in authority in government that they be, get saved. For if there is no radical turning from the ongoing decay, there will be no hope for our nation. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. So we pray for those in authority, kings, magistrates, that they get saved. We need to provide our families, neighbors, and those who work with us in the world example of godliness, spirit-filled home, a marriage that loves the Lord, marriage that's submitted to order and authority. And they will, it will be a radical example as much as in Paul's day. Let no one despise your youth, it says, but be an example of the believer in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and in purity, 1 Timothy 4.12. Straight across the board. Doesn't ask, well, what's your background? What did you go through? Did you have a bad home life? That's all irrelevant. That's worldly psychology. Are you a Christian? Are you a new creation? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Do you know the Word of God? Are you just going to church? Or are you being the church? Listen, when I'm telling all this, it applies to me. I'm no different. So submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. Now notice, third and last year, the submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit through the believer. Submission in family relationships is very, very clear. We're to submit to one another here in verse 21. As Christians, wives are to submit to the husband in 522. Husbands to the wife um, by loving their wives in 525. Children are to submit to their parents by obeying 61. Parents are to submit to the children in terms of using wisdom to not provoke them to wrath, Ephesians 6, 4. It's all based submission. Servants are to submit to the masters in 6, 5. We'll use those as employee-employer because we don't have masters and slaves. Masters to submit to the Lord in 6, 9. This entire list is used to comprise the average home with the exception of servants and masters 
to employees and employers, okay? The husband and wife hold the home and family together and affect society. Now, submission in sexual relationships is also spoken about by Paul. We're going to get later on into the marital relationships, but Paul had responded to some questions of the Corinthians about their marriages. In 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20, um, Corinth had Temple of Aphrodite, as you know, and they housed female prostitutes, and some of the Corinthians were still joining themselves to these temple prostitutes, okay? And Paul deals with them. In uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 4, the apostle writes, let the husband render to the wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. So in other words, it's mutual submission, not by command, not as a, as a forcefulness, no. It's understanding the, what you've entered into. You've entered into a, a marriage covenant, okay? Not a contract. The time to say no is before marriage, not after marriage. They were to do this only for a short time by permission if they were to withhold each other. If you're seeking the Lord or you want to seek the Lord so your husband and wife knows and they just be praying for you, okay? But don't try to set a world's record, okay? Paul is very practical. Often men remind their wives of how she is to submit to them as she is some trained dog. Not what it's about, and this is the argument of the feminists and the humanists, okay? Paul addresses the man first, focusing on the man to fulfill his duty to his wife sexually, to submit to her sexually. Read the context of 1 Corinthians 7. He deals with the husband, because it was the husband's idea that said, listen, I want to be more spiritual, so I'm not going to have relationships. Paul said, are you out of your mind? Not the reverse. Read the context. Paul is saying that in the most intimate relationship that a husband and wife have, the submission is mutual. Submitting mutually and willingly in their sexual intimacy in the fear of God in marriage, not outside of marriage or in addition to marriage. Both being sensitive to one another's feelings, being spirit-filled and controlled, not to simply gratify themselves without concern for the other. Simple. We don't have to go to great detail. Straightforward. The goal is the glory of God, right? That's it. The balance and responsibility to each other is mutual. Ladies, um, if you're always having a headache, take an aspirin. And gentlemen, if you're always pouting, learn patience, dying to self. Left hand, right hand. Please do not allow Satan in the Holy of Holies, your bedroom. It's a great privilege. It's a blessing. Makes you one in more way than just physically. You're there to glorify God in every way. God is so good to us. Submission in the caring relationship, Paul says, but I want you to know to be, or to be without care, he who is 
unmarried cares for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord in 1 Corinthians 7.32. The single person has no obligation to any person, sexually or any other. The single person is married to the Lord. You're totally free. Your body is the temple of God. When you're single, you just care for yourself. That's why you think when you get married and problems start, it must be the other person because I was fine without you. <laughs> Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 7, 33, but he who is married cares for the things of the world how he may please his wife. Married people are to care for each other. Married people are not to make idols of the husband or the wife. Married people must realize their wife or husband cannot meet all of their needs, only some of their needs. All your needs are met by Christ Jesus. Very important. Paul then says in 1 Corinthians 7, 34, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. A virgin lives in purity to please God. A married woman lives in purity of love to please her husband. The reason for the specific instruction was for their own profit. To not neglect their mates and serve the Lord, listen, without distraction, 1 Corinthians 7 35. Nothing wrong. You must work. You must provide. You must care. Submission in the acknowledgement of God's design is important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 8, quoting Genesis, for a man is not from the woman, but the woman from the man. Now this offends feminists. Right away you hear it. Listen, God created Adam first. God created a deep sleep to fall upon him, and then from his curved side he made the woman more refined. From his curved side, not the ground. God did not create Eve from that dust ground. The closest part, not for him to rule over, not to, for him to degrade her, but to be right by his side. Paul says, nor was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. First Corinthians 11, 9. Now this really his women feminists. The woman was created for the man to complete him, not to compete with him. Very important. Regardless what our modern society says, the woman was created for the man, not the man for the woman. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a help me for him. Genesis 2.18. This in no way minimizes nor emphasizes a degradation or inferiority in position for the woman in the covenant of marriage. It exalts her. It exalts her. Protection, provision, as we'll see. Ladies, it's not an insult to your person or character. You're not a sex object or a sex slave but that you be valued highly by that man because you're valued by God. And without a woman, a man is not complete unless 
God gives that single person the gift of celibacy, which not everybody has, okay? It's an exception. In other words, ladies, you're the icing on the cake. This world would be a boring place, a bunch of guys. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 11, 11 and 12, Nevertheless, neither a man is independent of the woman, nor the woman independent of the man. In the Lord, in the Lord, he qualifies it. For as women, a woman came from man, even so, man always comes through the woman, but all things are from God. So men can't say we don't need women because every man's born through a woman, right? We're tied together. The woman or the man is independent or complete by themselves, for they complement one another in marriage, being God's instruction to fill the earth. Population. What's the philosophy today? No population. Contrary to God. The man can not say, I don't need a woman, for if there is no woman, there's no more men to be born. The woman cannot say, I don't have need of a man, for if she would never have children, then that's the end of the human race, right? And I understand all the things where, you know, two women will pledge their love and marry today um, by the homosexual community, and, and then they'll adopt or whatever, but that's not what we're talking about. It's not what God's talking about. The complete perversion of it. The qualification is in the Lord, addressing those who are Christians. The believer is to know what the scriptures teach about the man's role in marriage and obey it. The woman is to also know her scriptural responsibility and obey it. Listen to Adam. He said, this is, God says to Adam, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, Genesis 2.23. That's God's revelation. Adam saw a part of himself in Eve and Adam saw his completeness in Eve. God established the institution of marriage at the beginning. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, that two should become one flesh, and they're both naked and not ashamed. Genesis 2, 24 to 25. Paul quotes it in Ephesians. It's been 4,000 years when Paul's using it. Nothing that changed with Paul. It's the same there. It's only been 2,000 since Paul to now. Do you think it's changed now? No! Radical? Absolutely. A new home, new authority, a mutual submission withholding nothing from each other. Submission is to depict the Christian home by God's design for efficiency and productivity, ladies and gentlemen. It's been said, quote, it costs much to obtain the power of the Spirit. It costs self-surrender and humiliation and the yielding up of our most precious things to God. It costs the perseverance of long waiting and the faith of strong trust. But when we are really in that power, we shall find this difference, that whereas before it was hard for us to do the easiest thing, now it is easy for us to do the hardest things. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth condemn. He does the very best for those who leave the choice to him. It's a choice. The problem with marriage is that everyone wants the product of a good marriage without putting in the process. You know, if you're going to make a cake, if you want a good product, you've got to have the right process. Or people will spit it out when they bite into it. It's the same principle. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much 
grain, John 12, 24. There's the principle. Marriages that are fun and enjoy each other are not perfect or problem-free. They merely have committed themselves to resolving the issues of life by submitting to the authority and the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God to each other. Wow. They are being continuously filled with the Spirit of God, as Ephesians 5.18 says. They are submitting to one another in the fear of God, in Ephesians 5.21. Hmm. Marriages that are loving and affectionate after many years have counted the cost of submission and paid the price of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. To die to self daily, pick up the cross and follow him, Mark 8.34. To forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us, Colossians 3.13. We'll get to that as we move on with the husbands and wives. Marriages that have passion for each other have cultivated their love by submitting daily to each other in and through the grace and love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abides faith, hope, and love, but the grace of this is agape love. That's the motive, the attitude that makes it effective and possible. Can't be done apart from that. And so submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit through the believer. Now you think something has changed since Paul's day? It didn't change for 4,000 years. Why would it change now 2,000 years? Radical? Absolutely. Possible? Yes. Here's the formula. Ready? You have to die. If you don't die, it won't work. It just won't work. So remember these three things about submission. Submission is the distinguishing mark of the believer. Submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. And submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit through the believer. No shortcuts. One little verse. Lord, thank you for your grace, your love and goodness. We love you. We thank you. Father, prepare our hearts to please you, to be obedient to you, Lord, trusting you. Pray for those that are here who do not know you, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would want to save them, forgive them, and offer them that marriage covenant with you, Lord. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Balcony floor, maybe you're out there somewhere in the internet world or media of some sort. If you believe that Jesus Christ has died for your sin, you can call upon him. He can forgive you. He can change your life by changing your heart. It's the inside out, not behavioral modification. That's inferior to biblical transformation. He changes your heart, which is the problem. The problem is heart. And so if you want to be born again, this is your prayer of repentance to God right now, and he will save you right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.